Welcome back, everyone, uh, to episode 11. I know who thought we would get this far. Not I said everyone on this, but um, we are going to chat to you today about fat and dietary fat. Uh, some of the um, things, the considerations around this, uh, possibly from performance, uh, but also an everyday kind of life um, and some of the things to be aware of. Um, yeah, so it, it we're, we're just going to jump right in. We are still kind of pooling up questions as well for anyone who's listening in. Uh, we're possibly going to do a questions and answers episode over the coming weeks, uh, but there's been a few great questions coming in and uh, we're just going to pull them all together and try to get back to those in, in an episode by themselves. Uh, so yeah, we'll jump right in. Where, where do we want to start uh, today, guys? Um, I suppose, do you want to maybe jump at like, what is fat and, you know, the uh, the implications it has in our, our, our diet, maybe from a calorie perspective, first off, and some considerations around that? Yeah, so fat has a, a bit more, quite a lot more actually calories per gram than carbohydrate and protein. Carbohydrate has four calories per gram, but protein same, four calories per gram, whereas fat has more than double that with nine calories per gram. Fat has really six major roles in the diet, so not quite the same as carbohydrate and fat that you or carbohydrate protein that you it's easier to link what it does with its specific role and that carbohydrate provides fuel for you know your muscles to contract and you to move protein contributes to the repair of those muscles after they've been broken down in an exercise session a gym session whatever like that fats are a little more I don't mean to say abstract, but it kind of is. So the six main roles of fat in the diet provides us with energy, but particularly energy for very low intensity work. Like three of us sitting here now, we're predominantly burning fat. When you sleep at night, you're burning fat. A very small amount, but it is what you're burning for that low intensity stuff, really below 80 BPM, 100 BPM. Anything quite low is burned by fat. Um, it helps us make and balance hormones in the body now again this is very much over a long period of time if you had if you had a low carbohydrate day you would be low on energy you'd feel it straight away whereas if you've a day that's low in fat you're not going to notice the difference in your hormones but over a long period of time it will start to negatively impact hormones there forms a lot of our cell membranes it forms kind of the building blocks for our brains and nervous system so you know there's that connection there your brain all the little structured wires all the way down along your spine out to your limbs and everything that way that's all formed by fat one of the most important things to have some fat in our diet and this is why it's important to have some there pretty much every day is that it helps us absorb all the fat soluble vitamins so vitamin a d e and k and we'll chat a bit about food sources that you know you kind of pair together to get vitamin a with some fat so it's helped me absorb it and it also provides us with two fatty acids most commonly known as omega-3 and omega-6 but just given their proper names linoleic and linolenic acid that rolled a bit smoother than i thought it would <laughs> so um yeah that's basically it i know in kind of your traditional performance diet fats are generally quite low but um they are they are still important for health generally the recommendations are to keep fats as part of your overall diet between 15 to 25 percent of calories i would very much err not like i don't encourage people to go on low side of that just at my own personal preference, I tend to go quite low in fat. I just don't particularly like many fatty foods. Um, what way do you roll on that chain and some of your main diet preferences? I'd probably be closer to the 20% mark. But again, it's something that for you, it definitely gets overlooked. And it is something that even if you're kind of slightly deficient in those fat levels that you're trying to hit, so say if you are the other the wrong side of 15%, it's not like carbohydrates where you feel it straight away, like you said, but you can slowly tick away doing damage. So again, if it's not, it's not fully um, developing or repairing brain tissue and body, you won't necessarily kind of notice straight away, but then it can come into, it can play a factor then in injuries or again, brain development, so decision-making, so it can, and it can kind of tick away. So it can be any more damaging that way because you can't necessarily see the results straight away. Because nutrition, we're lucky enough in performance nutrition that usually if you implement something, you be able to see the results quite quickly whereas fat deficiency can kind of can kind of creep up on you like that where it's not something that's very noticeable does that make sense but always try and make people be in around that 20 percent level but again just because you know you'll know yourselves from working with clients if you tell somebody 20 percent 
they might go for 15 or 25 and be like, oh, well, I'm kind of ballpark there. So if I tell something and then they go to 10, they'll be doing damage. So at least then there's kind of wiggle room either side. would be my kind of thinking on it. How about you, Dale? Yeah, I, um, I tend not to focus on it too much, uh, especially, especially with clients um, on the percentage in their diet, like largely like they would be down. Uh, I would kind of coach people to be down in that, you know, 15 to 25% range, depending on the person and uh, and all that. But like looking at, I just, it, it's mostly just kind of looking at foods and the quality of their foods. Um, and that often by just, you know, I suppose following a, what would be considered to be a healthy, balanced diet, um, fat would tend, can tend to be quite uh, controlled then. Um, so, like uh, I, I suppose there was a big push, or you know, towards low fat diets and um, low fat options of, of, of foods, and uh, for for a lot of people, um, that just simply seeing low fat in something was kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll go for that, while not necessarily, you know, meaning that the food was um, healthier for them or kind of more in line with what you know what they're trying to achieve long term uh, as often uh, many uh, foods in the past well it's still it's, it's still the case but many foods in, in the past have uh, often have you know just re- taken out fat or reduced fat and replaced it with uh, refined sugars um so you're kind of you know robbing peter to pay paul in in in, in some instances there but um just by kind of, I, I get people to look at their their dietary choices um and uh, and you know by following good quality dietary practices then they tend to be in that range like i'll, I'll notice what percentages they're at but a lot of my clients even the, even the sports uh um even the, the athletes that i work with uh, they, they don't necessarily want to be kind of tracking so they wouldn't know what percentage of their daily intake they, they are at uh but in general they, they would be kind of if i was kind of counting it myself for them they would be down that in that range of 15 to 25 percent um yeah justin if people are kind of following that general healthy diet what are some of the fats we would start to eat or are there different types of fat that we need to be aware of any of those um well i suppose uh one of the main ones uh, to to kind of think or to look at first would be dairy um and the this is it's an interesting area in that you know dairy is quite a, a, a an enveloping um uh white enveloping kind of a, a, a subject but inside that you know your 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 full fat milk we do get a lot of uh, vitamins and minerals from that as well as our fat and our protein uh, even a little bit of carbohydrate um so from a general day-to-day perspective there doesn't seem to be too much of an issue with say having uh, full fat milk um or your your normal um cheese uh, that there doesn't seem to be too much uh, or there doesn't seem to be as big an issue with having those that we do get quite a number of benefits from including those in our diet in proper quantities um, uh, from a health perspective um, but then you look at butter and inclusion of butter we, we are trying like it, research is kind of clear on that and that we should be trying to reduce the likes of our butter or margarines these type of things um, uh, to try and control our uh, saturated fat intake um, after that then uh, an area where people tend to um, not in or not count from a, a, a fat intake can often be oils uh, so that could be in the form of added oil to to pan you know if they're going uh, frying something up or in sauces uh, that they might use and they might maybe not consider the uh, amount of fat that they they're getting in there um and they, the inclusion of these uh, in their diet without having any you know without paying much attention to them can often result in people pushing that that dial up beyond you know 25 percent of overall calorie intake so just putting it just putting a little bit of a focus on you know good quality uh oils there like if you're using oil to cook that you're using a, a good quality olive oil or rapeseed oil uh there like that um and that if you are going buying sauces, um, that you're you're picking sauces that um, are relatively low in in fat, and uh, that that you're making sure that 
there isn't the as I said that that kind of Robin Peter to pay Paul side where you they they're they're spiked up with uh, refined sugars to to make up for flavor. Uh, so I often do I do try to um, work with people and uh, focus them in on flavoring foods themselves using you know their spice rack, putting that to to good use to try and flavor things up rather than you know pre-made sauces or anything like that. And if they are in uh, for 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 a lot of people, they're not they, while they may be interested in cooking, they may not be as interested in making their own sauces. Uh, but uh, w- with you know with a little bit of um, an education around uh, these type of things, it can be very easy and quick to make um, to make your own homemade sauce for for a dish as well using you know low fat options like zero uh, percent uh, fat Greek yogurt. There is a great base for creating um you know creating sauces as well so um they, they'd be the, ma- the main areas uh that, that i would focus in on from uh you know to be aware of you know a perspective but how about, how about you is that kind of uh what, what you're thinking or would you take a do you have another area that you'd focus in on murph no that was the main thing it's just see other other different types of fats you mentioned saturated fats there but um what, are, what other types are there and is there a difference to us in, in what they are as, as well as food types but like grouping them together as fat types what are the different fat types and what are some foods that would be categorized as one over the other before we move on to that actually just Jamie brought up a good point there about food labels and it could it could actually probably be worth us doing a whole episode just on food labels because i feel it's almost like a slide hand at the moment where things are labeled as one thing just because they upped the other so if it's low fat it's more than likely going to be super high sugar and just i really don't think people understand how easy it is to check your food label to see what's actually happening as opposed to just reading the marketing claim when all the information has to be on the back because i feel especially it nearly creeps in when people are trying to be so you can say a girl who's trying to lose weight and kind of sticking to mostly salads and then just putting a dressing on their salad and that means if that is a certain type of dressing that's high fat they're their calories could be almost 50% just fat from that day without them even realizing, thinking they're just on a low carb, low everything with salads. But again, it's the calories just creep up without you noticing. Actually, that's an interesting one, Chin, there that comes up with, and I don't mean to have a stab at McDonald's per se, but um, the when the salads came out in McDonald's, people were like, oh, brilliant, you know, they started doing salads, and then people started to look at the actual overall calories, and they realized there was less calories in, like, I think it was the Big Mac than there was in in the salad and it is that that you know looking at a salad and thinking oh healthy right we're getting a lot from it but if you're trying to manage your calories and you're trying to stay on top of your your fat intake uh there that you know uh, uh sauces added sauces stuff like that can really uh can really throw you off um what you uh, the, the path that you think you're on a little bit they're actually the biggest global seller of salads worldwide i'll have you know Really? <laughs> there you go. Who knew that people listening to this were actually going to learn something? Back anyway then, Damien, are there different types of fat and how, how could we group foods into the three different types? Um, yeah, there are there are four kind of main uh, different um, fats. So we have our saturated fat, uh, our trans fats, uh, our monounsaturated fats and our polyunsaturated uh, fats. So the four types have different um chemical uh, structures and physical kind of properties to them um so i suppose the fats then that are kind of the that you're looking to have a control of or maybe uh, that do get demonized a little bit um are are your saturated fats and your trans fats um uh, so these are the these are fats that tend to be more uh solid at uh, at room temperature so like your butter that I mentioned a while ago uh, would be would be a good example of that. Um, while your I suppose the other two then your monounsaturated fats and your polyunsaturated fats uh, they tend to be uh, more liquid, so like maybe your your olive oil or or something like that. Um, so they they they're the they're the four types. No, they they all have, as you mentioned at the outset, uh, Murph. There they all have um, uh, different or they all have the same uh, calories in them so that you don't need to be wondering oh like it's one from a calorie perspective is one different to the to the other um but it, it where they do kind of tend to show up uh, with bits of differences so um like are those the, the saturated fat and your uh trans fats they can uh, they have been 
seen to raise our um, low uh, density lipoprotein. So that would be your LDL cholesterol. Uh, so they've been shown to kind of raise uh, levels of that in our in our blood. Um, whereas uh, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats have been seen to uh, uh, lower uh, the, uh, that LDL cholesterol level. Um, so it, like when they're consumed as part of an overall healthy diet, so it's not like consuming them will bring it down by them by themselves but as part of an overall diet you know an overall healthy diet and lifestyle that that inclusion of them in your diet is perfectly fine and can be quite quite positive um as well um so yeah uh they, they, they'd be the four the four main types and when, when it comes to um i suppose saturated fat because trans fats have actually which would have been often found in you know uh maybe take away kind of fast food uh, restaurants would often have had uh, a lot of trans fats or uh, different processed foods or pros uh, that you might pick up uh, overly processed foods um, in the past have had high levels of trans fats. That's, uh, there's actually, there have been uh, laws uh, passed, uh, especially here in Europe. I'm not sure what the story is in the US or anything like that, but um, in Europe here that I'm, I'm pretty sure that by the end of this year, um, most places have, or pretty much everywhere, has to um, be uh, free of trans fats. Am I am I right in that? I, I I'm pretty sure there's there's a, a European uh, Union uh, ruling on that that's in place for the last few years that by 2021, or it's just by a specific time in 2021, that uh, trans fats have to be um, kind of free from uh, free from being added to to foods or or that. Uh, but then your your saturated fat then is um, is I suppose what research has shown us over the years is that um, diets or cultures that have consumed traditionally, you know, higher levels of uh, of saturated fats. So the, I think is the likes of UK and were we looking at Finland there and what we were chatting about earlier, that traditionally they were up in the, you know, 20 uh, to 25% of overall, uh, you know, calorie intake from saturated fats that they were traditionally more uh, are found to have higher uh, rates of cardiovascular disease or coronary heart disease. Um, and uh, that I, I think was a Finland start in the 1960s, a, a, a program of reducing that. And that um, I think it, in 2008, uh, that uh, reducing that in the population through education, through better uh, dietary practices and, and stuff like that. And the, by 2008, they had um, uh, reduced the, um, I suppose, the risk of death for, uh, as a result of uh, coronary heart or um, cardiovascular disease and that uh, by up, up to almost like 80%, I think. Um, and this was mirrored by a, a reduction uh, in saturated fat intake. Um, the air, the region of saturated fat intake, roughly where it's deemed to be kind of safe, where uh, we we can uh, uh, get by with it in our diet, somewhere in the region about eight to ten percent is what is what's being shown in the research, um, and that's pretty consistent for the time being. Anyway, unless something comes along um, and uh, and pushes back against it, that's kind of where 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 it's where it's at, and that's where the the good top quality research uh, uh, or in-depth research into this is really pointing. Just two things before we, we dig a little deeper into to what we were chatting about earlier and that is it saturated fat? Is it okay to eat more of it? But Shane, you might come in this. Are some of the issues around increased fat, are they associated with the particular type of fat you're eating or is it just the increase in calories that can be harder to control true consuming more fats? I think it's a little bit of both. I think what Damon touched on there about that EU directive and kind of the government has done a really good job in general around this, which I don't really say very often, but we can kind of be a little bit more lax around kind of performance gut just because, again, they've nearly eliminated um, hydrogenated fats and they've kind of, most people will know and follow guidelines to kind of limit their saturated fats a good bit. So it means if people are getting fats in, it's usually going to be kind of from that better side. So we don't have to worry about it too much because most of the fats are going to be getting in 
are going to be moly, mono or polyunsaturated fats. So it means we have we can focus a little bit more on the protein and on the carbohydrate content from a performance point of view. And then the rest of the kind of general population seem to be following that as well. So it's their choices have been quite limited already just by kind of the foods that are going to be available to them, which is obviously great that they're taking some of the bad options out. But again, it is getting across that it is if you eat the same amount of fat as carbohydrates kind of volume wise, it's double the calories. And it's trying to get people's head around that that like especially when it's the same for protein. And it's also still a bit of a stigma because people just assume dietary fat, which you can understand like it's an unfortunate from our point of view, like I'm sure you guys are the same. I'm banging my head against the wall, being like they're not the same. I know they're called the same thing, but they're just not. So it's kind of trying to get through that. But I think for the most part, fat intake isn't as big a problem as it kind of sounds. So again, it has been well, I don't know what you guys think about that. I probably threw a bit of a curveball with government guidelines stuff, but yeah, I think it's been managed quite well on that side of things. Yeah, no, I think the same. I think like for I think the messaging throughout the eighties and nineties encouraging people to eat lower fat towards the end of the nineties and definitely early nineties, I think it had gone too far, and the people were so afraid to consume any type of fat that if I eat something mm. with fat in it, I, it will lead to me getting fattier and probably having a heart attack in mm. about four days' time, and frighten us away quite a bit. Now that we've relaxed on that a bit and people have realized that, while not all fat, but some is healthier and does obviously play an important role in the body, that we are more accepting of it in our diets. But I think we're more accepting of it in our diets with an element of caution around yeah. how much we actually eat. And that it's, it's become common to say now, good fats and bad fats or, or bad fats and healthy fats. And I, I don't think it's quite as clear or as binary as that, but I, I do think that has improved an awful lot in, in general population over the past while. Especially Something when you think kind of the fatty foods people yeah. would be eating would be like, now it's moved more towards olive oil and avocado brunch stuff, whereas back in the 70s and 80s, it would have been bacon and like butter and things like that. Whereas there's definitely, there's obviously still some, but there's definitely not as much of a push towards that big greasy fry every morning. <clears throat> the other thing i was going to touch on there was it's messaging by some fitness professionals out there that we should eat more fat to burn more fat and kind of it's kind of two questions at once first of all is that possible if we eat more fat will we burn more fat and if we do is that necessarily a good or bad thing yeah well i suppose well if you uh if you look at if you're consuming a high fat diet then you're going to be <clears throat> naturally enough it's going to be your main that makes it your your predominant energy source so that means you're going to be burning higher fat because you are having a higher fat diet um so you you're just you just have to you just happen to be using your 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 intake in your diet your high energy intake is from fat so therefore your body is using fat as its energy source uh but i suppose what the message they're trying to say is that by eating a high fat diet that you will burn more stored body fat and that's not the case to to use up your or to to to, to use up uh, uh, and uh, your, your your store body fat you have to be in a calorie deficit eating a high fat diet won't if, if you're not in a calorie deficit eating a high fat diet won't mean you'll burn that store body fat it does mean you'll be using fat as an energy source because you're in a high fat intake yeah you're having a high fat diet so that's the predominant energy source so your body will use that for energy but that does not mean in any way shape or form that you will use your stored body fat or burn or a burn i suppose because there isn't a furnace inside us but burn that uh that uh that store body fat so that's that's not true and that's the message that is put out there um and it, it's kind of the opposite it's the exact opposite of kind of eating fat makes you fat in that like you know consuming fat in your diet doesn't mean you're going to uh gain adipose tissue which is our, our body fat uh, or so that that that's not the case and that was that that's that was a myth it is still a myth that is around in certain areas it, but you have the other side which is it's almost like it's a pendulum uh, that's constantly just going over and back, you know, uh, with people that never, it's very hard to get people at times into the middle ground um, to, to, to kind of sit there. 
it's often not as sexy, it's not as cool. But um, you know, you've one side, eating fat is the worst thing you can do, and you've extreme other side where if you're not eating fat, you're killing yourself, you know, slowly. If you're not eating predominantly uh fat uh focused diet that you're you're wasting your time. So with two of those sides, whereas in actual fact the answer is like in general, it's when it comes to nutrition, it's somewhere in between, and uh, it's yeah. So they're, they're, they're some of the big things that we come across. I see two faces smirking at me here. <laughs> oh God! Anyone want to ask a question? No. I think I'll let you take this one. I think it's worth there also noting that on your point of <laughs> when exercising, if you're born or even just in general movement and day-to-day living if you're using fat as your fuel source it doesn't mean you're burning the fat from your body and even when you're doing exercise and over a long period of time doing hard exercise and you reduce your body fat over time it's generally not in the workouts you're doing that you're burning that body fat off because if it's high if you're doing like loads of iot classes or whatever that way you're you're burning mainly carbohydrate in that time now while you say you work really hard to torch fat off or whatever like that you burn carbohydrates the carbohydrates you eat throughout the day generally fuel that but it's the rest of the day when you burn that stored fat in in your low intensity activity so the, like i said at the start the lower intensity activity you do such as sitting walking sleeping you, bar- you use fat as your fuel source you use a very small amount of it because you're not using a huge pile and then when you do your really hard exercise that creates the i suppose the calorie deficit that's burned by fat later on the day so if you say that I drop carbohydrate, so I burn more fat in my hard exercise less. It actually ends up having a net negative effect because you end up not being able to go as hard without having the carbohydrates there to fuel it. Now, generally people say, no, I, I went really hard there, and that's fair enough. On a relative scale of how hard you're exercising, if you were to rate how hard it was out of 10, it will generally be up around 8, 9, 9.5, regardless of what the fuel source is. But if you actually have some way of measuring that output, like if it's on a watt bike and you're measuring the actual watts you put out, if you did you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday as hard as you can on a watt bike, your average watts would be way higher if it's fueled by carbohydrates right beforehand earlier in the day than if it's fueled by fats right beforehand or earlier in the day, which again leads to overall more calories burned and a larger debt to be paid back throughout the rest of the day, earlier in the day, later on, whatever like that. So it's worth keeping that in mind as well. Again, building on Damien's point, while you're using fat as a male fuel source, it may not lead to an overall larger calorie deficit or, or net cost to, to help you reduce body fat. Yeah, so that's a good because no matter what, you're kind of, from a weight loss point of view, it's going to come down to your calorie deficits. So you're going to have to be expending more calories than you're taking in. But whereas we talk about getting more carbohydrates in, like Murph said there, if we say, if, if you make, if you kind of burn an extra 50 calories on the walk bike, you probably won't be able to distinguish that yourself. But from eating carbohydrates, you build an extra 50 car- calories each time you work out. You work out six times a week, it's going to be an extra 300 calories a week. And then that's going to gradually build up. That's going to make you, so you're increasing your calorie output rather than adjusting the calories that you put in. So again, that's where that difference is going to come into play. Now, at this stage, I think it's very important that we acknowledge the great, big, pink, formerly ketogenic elephant in the room. (laughs) When myself and Shane first met Damien, he was walking around with no, there was was no scones being made. There was no sweet potato muffins being made. It was all high fat, low carbohydrate living, one meal a day. Damien, how have you not addressed this yet? Um, largely be uh, like anyone really who uh, has made a complete donkey of themselves in the past. Um, you just bury it as far as you possibly can into the ground and pretend it never existed. Um, so yeah, to to call uh, to call a spade a spade, it was I was very easily influenced by research papers that. I didn't realize I was reading incorrectly and uh, and by people who dis, uh, who broke down those research papers who um looking back on it now I can safely say had an agenda um behind them 
uh, and hearing their take on on those research papers, hearing how they approach the diet from a health perspective as well as a performance perspective, and I suppose how articulate they they were in 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 uh, expressing the the benefits uh, in both performance and health uh, from following a, a high fat. So your ketogenic style diet, uh, high fat, moderate protein, low to no carbohydrate diet, um, uh, they 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 would have con- they they were very convincing, and I uh, I have to highlight that at the time my ability I, I I didn't just accept on face value, I did look into research, I did look into research papers. However, as I have come to learn. Um, a long time ago now, uh, looking back, but as I come to learn, my ability to interpret the research and the uh, possible flaws or mechanistic flaws in the research uh, that was being cited uh, was quite poor. So um, uh, over the years, that has obviously strengthened with having, you know, um, undertaken my, my own research in, in uh, during our master's and um, and, and just being around people who, uh, I suppose, increasing my my network um, uh, of, of of colleagues and friends uh, who, who and peers who who work in this area and paying attention to what how and how to really learning how to really apply critical thinking and uh, to interpret research for what it is and to really acknowledge and uh, notice flaws in research um, whether uh, it's uh, mechanistically or whether it's just downright you know what they've concluded is not what the research has actually shown whatever it may be uh that i, I that i've come on a long way since then and uh, as you uh, alluded to there uh, a minute ago murph uh that now means i get to enjoy sweet potato i get to have pizza i mean you know just just i mean bread you know i mean I, I meant to bring this up last week but like bread you know uh uh, bread <laughs> so that there's yeah so it, 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 that I, I'm, I'm a great example of somebody who actually had i suppose i managed to drop my kind of ideal of like actually no no what what they're saying what i've read that that's the be all and end all and like anything in nutrition it depends and w- with the the body of evidence that is out there from a health perspective from performance perspective on inclusion of carbohydrates um and uh, control of your fat intake to that that percentage of you know a 15 to 25 percent range of your overall calories keeping your saturated fat uh low uh, that's another area as well that you know that is often pushed in that like there's nothing that there's no um that saturated fat doesn't actually influence your um your uh ldl uh, cholesterol or that uh, there's nothing wrong with your L- there's nothing wrong with having high ldl if your overall cholesterol is uh, you know if your hcl is also high and that this just simply isn't uh isn't the case and it it it, it took uh, it took it took a while but i mean with proper uh i suppose guidance we could say by my 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 two good friends here um i certainly evolved and and grew up <laughs> esteemed colleagues yes and before you started off, or when you were beginning that journey, first of all, what are some of the reported benefits of following that high, low-carb, high-fat, or ketogenic style lifestyle? And then how many of them did you notice, and how many of them after a while did you realize, this isn't happening at all? What's going on here? Because I remember like when we met first, you, you were very much in the positive end of this, mm. and you were noticing a few benefits. I suppose, and we've, talked, we, we've, we've spoken about this in the past, where... Uh, so one of the the positives that I, I I'd known that it, people reported, or like you may feel kind of even like fluey type symptoms, you know, when you make this big change, um, uh, and that you are better off kind of going cold turkey with it, just making a big change and just going removing your carbohydrate, increasing your fat intake, making sure your moderate levels of protein, and that you you will you get this kind of brain fog or kind of fluey type uh, feeling or just a rundown type feeling um, for somewhere anywhere from like uh, the transition period as they like to say from 10 to 21 days um, that it could be anywhere in that and that after that then uh, that your body will have 
become fat adapted um, and that you'll be in a state of ketosis and that then you'll, you know, you'll have unlimited energy almost and become some kind of a, a super power. Um, so I managed, as I said, I got caught up in the uh, articulation of, of the benefits uh, from different sources and um, then having read on things myself and gone like, yeah, sure, what they're saying, this is what it's, this is what it's showing in the research. I can, this makes sense, so let's go for it. So it is quite possible that, uh, well, I suppose first and foremost, my body did adapt to the energy source I was putting in. So I removed carbohydrates. So I removed, um, I removed what is the most readily active um, uh, energy source that we have. But also in removing that carbohydrate, I'm like, you, you go through like, basically you're removing your brain's main energy source. So it has to work much, your body has to work much harder to ensure that glucose is uh, available there for your, your brain. Um, as it is, it's, it's only energy, uh, it's only um, energy source. So um, there's that. Uh, so like it, it, my body eventually got used to having to do that. So it took it somewhere in the region of a week and a half, you know, to, to maybe two, two and a half weeks, somewhere, somewhere in that region. I can't remember exactly. Um, so once my body kind of got used to that, got used to the fact that my energy source was fat, well, then it kind of was like, all right, well, this is what we're doing, you know, and it just went, went with the, the flow of it. That mixed with what I have to say was probably a placebo effect in where I was kind of like, yeah, it's supposed to be in this region of time, you know, in these few days, I'm supposed to kind of stop feeling poorly and my energy levels will come back up and I'm going to be fantastic uh, at everything. Uh, you know, energy-wise, I'm going to be pumped the whole time, just going to be able to exercise much better. I'm going to have much more energy throughout the day. I won't need to eat as often. All these things, everything that you read, I had, whether it was out of creating a new habit or um, that I perce it was placebo, uh, the placebo effect or whatever, um, that I, I did experience them all. And if I was to look back and like you mentioned there about having an actual specific measure. So if we were to take, um, you know, even my strength in the gym, I was kind of like, yeah, my strength is still there. Now, when I look back on it, my base strength was still there. I didn't get weaker. However, my ability to perform over longer uh, duration. So if you were going to hypertrophy with lifting um, or say I, I play Gaelic football, you know, uh, would I say I was optimal there? Not at all. If I'm to compare how I was possibly before it and most certainly since it, uh, I was certainly nowhere near optimal in my ability to perform. Um, so, yeah. My weight came down. And uh, uh, I found it very easy to manage my weight in, in, in that, largely because I didn't have to eat that often. And that was because I, I did find that one or two meals in the day with a high fat content and moderate protein, that I was just full. And basically from the fat intake there, with protein being the most satiating of the three macronutrients, so it leaves us a bit fuller for long because it takes our body a bit longer to break it down. But that mixed with having a high fat intake kind of slowed down the passage of food through my system. So I, and it was a nice, it was a slow release energy. It comes from fat. Like you're not going to, it doesn't spike uh, blood sugars where you're going to be, you know, flying around the place. So I had a consistent energy source and I it took me longer to kind of, um, uh i suppose reach a, a point of hunger so overall what what it actually was without kind of having tracked anything i had created a calorie deficit um or at least i was if i was staying at the same weight it was a very kind of manageable maintenance level without any thought uh, or too much thought um but the, the other side of that then my performance uh my performance would have dipped um and my uh, the likes of my I suppose because I was eating a high fat diet my saturated fat intake would have been much higher than what it would normally be if I was just following a well-rounded kind of uh, healthy balanced diet um so things like even in blood work in that my LDL cholesterol went up um uh, which you're not looking you, you don't want that to happen you want your LDL uh, cholesterol so your low density lipoprotein cholesterol you want that to be low while you're 
HDL, your high density diphenylamine, to be high in 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 your blood. Um, and mine fl- flipped on its head there. And you're saying there about performance in terms of Gaelic football in the gym, but say like mental performance. You, this is around the time we started the masters, and there was a bit of a learning curve with that at the start, and even like work performance. How did you find that? I suppose I, while I didn't get sharp dips in energy at any point um you know there wasn't sharp drop-offs there i suppose i i would have i would have probably struggled at times to um to maybe be as energetic maybe it might it, it possibly from being involved in things maybe in in class discussions or anything like that where i might have just held back a little bit because i'm i i i would have felt that right there's stuff there that i want to say but I have to think about it a bit longer, you know, and I, 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 not necessarily saying it was a cause of it, but I definitely felt like I was a little bit less myself. For any anyone who does know me, it's almost impossible to shut me up. But yet I did notice, like, if I'm looking back retrospectively on the course, uh, on, our, on our masters, when, when we would have all been together, I was relatively quiet in what we've got in the classroom, in, in open discussion. And that's not really me um to, to put it mildly <laughs> so not, i'm not going to say this certainly but yeah i was actually just thinking yeah now that i look back <laughs> <laughs> um, i was just going to say then on the back end of it like coming out of keto or low carb high fat when you did start introduce more carbohydrates and i want you to be critical on yourself here was it a behavior thing like did it literally just get to a point where uh, I find it so hard to not eat carbohydrate or was it more of a conscious reintroduction of carbohydrates because you know it's not making enough sense i have my own story on this but i'm gonna let Damo take it through <laughs> brilliant I'll, I'll dig my own hole and then you can just dump on top of me um <clears throat> so i suppose part of it would have been like there was a little bit of a kind of an obnoxious like oh like I don't need to be eating like all you you peasants and common folk. Uh, you know this is this is great. I'm I'm fantastic, and I've, I'm not ashamed to say that because it it's it was it was it was what it was. But I did kind of start to think like you know all this fat should be helping me to absorb more vitamins and minerals from my diet, <clears throat> but there's no vitamins and minerals kind of going into my diet. So what what is what's it helping me to absorb and so uh, there would have been, I, I started to think about that and kind of go like, well, I know that like even from a simple, like our fruit and veg, like even having uh, like um, some veg or too much veg can throw you out of ketosis and kind of you, you, you get shunned from the community. Like, you know, you had you had 10 carrot sticks. You are no longer in ketosis, you know, get away. But like it's uh, it kind of it, it came. It was it was twofold. Okay, so there was first off, I started to notice. Look, I wasn't eating fruit and veg, and that this was that this could negatively impact my immune system. Um, so I obviously performance and all that as well. But I, I was looking at it from what I knew from a health perspective, from going through research, from uh, going through uh, you know uh, actually learning how to critically analyze uh, research papers and interpret research papers. Going, I am. I am not along the right path here, you know? And then the other side of that is that from a social perspective, um, like if you're going out for uh, dinner and you don't happen to have any specific issue with the food, you know, or like say you, if you're lactose intolerant and you have to, you know, uh, you, you can't have anything with dairy in it or something. Like that, when you're not in those areas, but you're going out for dinner and you're like, hi, how are things? Uh, how big is that steak? And can I just get um, like two asparagus sticks on the side with it? And that's it, um, you know, and just making sure that you're not going. Basically, you become you become a bit of a, a kind of a, a, a social annoyance. Um, and you realize that you're, you're, you can't like you can't like you're, you're you're left either cooking or being that one person at the table who's just annoying and uh then you know you start a conversation naturally enough because of what you've ordered you have to start a conversation around why you've ordered what you've ordered and then you get you, people stop asking you out for dinner so um <laughs> you know there's all that so there was there was the health perspective first and i started to look in at the social outlet and kind of go like 
what am I doing here? Like, you know, why is it that I can't, why would going and having a pizza every now and then be detrimental to my health? Why wouldn't I be able to do that? Why shouldn't I be having high fiber foods like oats there for my breakfast? You know, what's wrong with that in her, from a health perspective? And I started looking and I'm like, no, I'm, I was in the wrong. So it, that was basically it. It was like, I, um, I grew up, I, <laughs> I, I woke up a little bit and just realized that I was, yeah, I, I hope I've been critically enough, critical enough there of myself. But <laughs> oh, that, that was good and honest. Well done. Shane, what, what's your take on it all? We're going to label this segment Hot Takes by Shane. Hot Takes. <laughs> Newsflash. So it was after, it was just the first time I met you again after you abandoned Janet Quest. But basically, we were just talking about it and I was like, why, like, what happened? Why did you change it? And you came through and you're like, well, like performance-wise, I thought I was doing quite well and I thought I was at a good spot. And then I kind of thought about it for a while and i was like wait a minute but before i did this keto thing i have i have all ireland club medals i was in around the county setup and, and now i'm not doing either of them so like maybe this ketogenic stuff isn't the way to go and it was just such a like light bulb moment i was like oh well i suppose when you put it that way it's very simple <laughs> but it kind of just shows like how, how much the mental side can be a factor like obviously if you're not wearing a heart rate monitor and monitoring everything you do on a gal pitch you're not going to be able to tell really the difference it was there but i suppose I think that actually just to make another point on that regardless of what you're doing or what your goals or what you're looking to make progress in it's worth having some very basic objective metric whether it be just tracking your weight whether it be getting skin folds taken whether it be doing a really basic fitness test every six to eight weeks like just even you know time takes or hustling on a bike or how what's your what what's can you do for average in 20 minutes or what is your 5k time or something like that what's your what's your bench one rm in case you do make any major changes just so you can keep coming back to that and checking john my my bench press used to be 115 kg now it's only 85 maybe i'm slacking a bit in strength you know, and sometimes you need those little light bulb moments to be like, oh, yeah, I should be keeping some kind of measurement here just to keep myself on track as to where I'm going. It doesn't need to be real fancy. It doesn't mean like wearing a GPS in every single match and train you do. It doesn't mean logging every single run on Strava with a heart rate monitor. But a couple of basic things there can be really useful just to keep yourself accountable, really. Even especially yeah. now, like after lockdown, having like a measure from what you were before lockdown when you were actually training properly, now coming out the other side, how far, how much you've lost. Like it's inevitable you've lost some performance, but just seeing how far away from baseline you actually are. Um, so on that then, have we any other little points we want to make on fats? Or- I suppose I just want to mention, you know, good quality fat sources. So like, you know, foods to kind of look towards right we mentioned olive oil mentioned you know avocados and stuff like that but even just like your your nuts seeds inclusion of these in your diet uh we get a whole host of things from from those um often i will hear of, and i mentioned dairy at the outset um after i hear people oh i've removed dairy from my diet so i'm not getting any of those unhealthy uh, saturated fats or whatever but the thing is removal of anything from your diet isn't necessarily isn't necessary um and we don't find food to exist with you know in most foods anyway that contain saturated fats also tend to contain some form of monounsaturated or polyunsaturated fats as well it's not just like oh milk is unsaturated fat you know um and what and you know nuts are polyunsaturated it's, it's it's not that straightforward often the foods that are high in one contain the others is as well so uh, a complete and utter removal isn't necessary it's just you know, knowing roughly how much you're having um, and staying on, on top of that uh, from that perspective. But so like knowing what kind of oils are going into your foods, if you're eating out, get if you're eating out and it's in the same places, not necessarily if you're going out for dinner at the weekend. I don't expect somebody to ring the restaurant and go, hey, what kind of uh, oil are you using or how much uh, is in the sauce or anything like that? But if you happen to be somebody who um, who get uh, food out every day for lunch and you kind of go to a similar place to them, then it might be worth having an idea just what what's actually used to make the food in the places you're going. If you're regularly going there, it's not the worst thing in the world to just kind of ask. It's not going to throw them off to go, hey, especially if you're there regularly, just go, hey, I'm just wondering, you know, I, I eat here the whole time. 
just wondering what kind of oil do you use is there much in it when you're cooking um or is there a lot of butter going into sauces um these kind of things it it it's not going to kill you to 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 just have an idea um of of, of that uh and then just just kind of keeping uh you know uh i suppose you, it, it, like we said we don't need to focus on it too much because we tend to get sufficient levels of fat just by you know eating a, a normal kind of diet but the things to look out for then to keep to ensure that you are getting say your omega-3s which we tend to be quite low in uh in our diet and uh, often people have to supplement with it but even just having oily fish uh you know twice two times per week two to three times per week will give you sufficient levels of uh of omega-3 uh in in your diet there which we know um can have an influence a positive influence on uh prevention or lowering the likelihood of you know a coronary heart uh disease or um um uh, it can improve uh, cognitive function as well you know in in building those neurons that you mentioned at the outset Murph, in in our brain as well so you know looking to foods that are looking into your diet and looking into you know what's considered to be a healthy balanced diet and you know it, it, the the public uh, health guidelines on this are are, are very clear and they're, they're, it's easy to find lists of what foods to to include in your diet uh, and uh, and that's kind of what just it is a good idea to keep good quality fat sources uh, you know in on on a regular basis now we might actually just touch on maybe do a whole podcast on dairy because it's kind of very misunderstood and questioned at the moment so there's a lot of different there's a lot of people cutting it out for potentially no reason so it could be working on a little bit more detail around the whole dairy thing and i know dame was a strong carry man so he probably has loads of milk related views at the cow out the back ready to go we'll contact lee strand to sponsor that show and lambia here close to me there we go there we go we can't um, yeah, we... just last point i'll mention before i wrap up then on what Damien said there, we do not consume any nutrients or types of fat in isolation. We consume foods, and all those foods should contribute to an overall balanced diet throughout a day, week, month, year. An overall day should contribute to reasonably balanced calories, a decent balance of macronutrients and micronutrients, as opposed to demonizing, eliminating, or hyping up any particular one of those. I think that's a nice point to finish on there. So we'll see us all. Actually, it's actually just, audio, so we won't see anything again. Just before, um, just we, just before we we go, uh, we can't. Uh, I should have introed with this, but uh, a massive congratulations to our esteemed uh, colleague uh, John mm. Murphy, who is soon to be a published uh, author. Uh, so uh, congratulations, Murph! Massive, uh, massive achievement. That's right. Um, we won't sit here and pretend that. It was a shock to anyone, but uh, still, <laughs> congratulations. It's a, a huge undertaking, and uh, we're delighted for you. Thanks. Well, Let this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like the findings of that. It's something we might touch on in an episode at some stage as well, just to give kind of a, a, an overview of what it was, what it involved, anything, and all like that. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Looking forward to it.